hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Hello, welcome to Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Today we have a great guest for you guys, Maggie Connors. I don't have many females on here. That, honestly, it's not by choice. I guess, you know, a lot of the time I I just look back. If you haven't noticed, most people on the show are, are friends or at least acquaintances that I've come across. Not, not all the time, and it doesn't have to be, but that's kind of where my mind goes. So, you know, it's a lot of ex-teammates. I have had Tara Sloan on. I had Victoria Matiash on a little while ago. Uh, and now, I mean, I could have more. That's just off the top of my head. And, of course, I was affiliated with Third Man In podcast before this. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of including that as well. I think we had 38 or 39 episodes. And now I'm at almost 30 of this one. I think this is 29. So the vast majority have been men. But, uh, you know, again, I guess that's just my, you know, I, I've, I've played men's hockey my whole life. And I do have acquaintances that are women and certainly some, you know, I won't say teammates, but I've gone to events with team Canada and, you know, the women's team come and you're, you're kind of one big family of 50 people rather than the men's team and the women's team. Although, you know, you can look at it from both angles, but point being the team Canada family of which my guest Maggie Connors is one. Uh, she's gotten some games with the under 18 team. I believe two years in a row we'll get, we'll get that, you know, we'll get, we'll get into that with her. Um, but she's an intriguing figure. And Maggie's 19, I, I think turning 20 this year, um, from St. John's. I always knew of her. I first saw her play. And she went to Chautauqua St. Mary's. I believe that's where Crosby went, right? But So she was gone early. But, uh, you know, there's always a buzz. There's always a buzz. And there's nobody that comes through here that ends up playing really anywhere on the mainland that I don't see. And I, I don't mean that I travel around each night either like looking at prospects and I, I don't even get paid or nothing i don't scout there's another thing and everything i do i get underpaid in the book in just a- anything that you see me do uh so like you know i just help people out to get scouted to go away i've never really looked into it i've gotten people to europe to junior never i never got a cent but I, again not, not complaining i'm just telling you i like to have my finger on the pulse and know because sometimes people phone right They're, I've had friends call from junior B teams, junior A teams, major junior teams, you know, tell me about this guy or that girl or, and more than anything, I want to set kids in the right direction. And when it comes to certain kids, it's a decision between, should I go to college? Should I go to major junior? Should I play at all? Uh, You know, uh, some people it's, you know, what billets, you know, I remember, 
two great hockey players from here, a great brother duo, uh, the, the Donahues, Cody Donahue and Connor Donahue. Cody now plays in Orlando in the East Coast League, and Connor plays at Dalhousie. I, I suppose when I say now, I mean like they were playing before the world stopped. Um, and anyway, you know, because with them it was billets, you know, when they first went away and their mother wanted to know. And, and I, I always say, you know, that's a great question. A lot of parents don't ask it. And I, I don't know why, because billets can make or break you. You know, you and, and I don't mean if they don't provide. I just mean I won't get into certain names, but, you know, there are players that I've seen come up, one from here, a great prospect. And, you know, you put with family. Now, this is the extreme, but uh, family was, you know, basically – uh, yeah, I mean, there was a criminal element without getting a, a big, big red flag criminal element. And, you know, they still billeted players. And this particular player went down the wrong way. He's doing unbelievable now, of course, not as a hockey player, as a businessman. I just mean it can happen. Right? You can see careers get derailed because uh, some billet, uh, you know, is overbearing with an impressionable teenager. So... Yeah, yeah, there's that. Uh, there's nutrition, there's focus, there's working out. There, there, I mean, there's all kinds of different factors and, and attributes that it takes. Everything has to come into one. But if you work hard, Maggie did, Alex Newhook did, you know, I could go on and on, or Ryan Clough did. I mean, Wendell Clark did. I could go on the, the history of time. I'm just saying recently, a lot of the prospects from around here, I know them, I see them. Some could work out a little bit more. Uh, some could study a little bit more. I'll be like, you know, Johnny, you, you might, your, your wrist shop might not get you paid every year. You know, it is now you're good at 16, but you know, you might want to pay attention to the books. Um, so, and that's always really important. Uh, not that anybody asked, how did I get down this rabbit hole? I'm not sure, but you know, any parents out there listening or any kids that are, uh, usually the people are my group or right in between, you know, people that might be just starting a family or whatever. There's a lot of my buddies, a lot of kids that, you know, listen to the show when I say kids, you know, whatever, younger hockey players. And, you know, it's often they need a bit of advice. So honestly, my inbox is a toilet. Honestly, you should see it. I'll get comments on this. Just then, you know, usually it's a negative or louder than the, the positive. So, you know, for example, you know, I just do a bit of fun, do some TJ's ads. People say I'm setting a bad example, uh, whatever. Um, you know, I usually get bombed once a week, maybe once every two weeks. I like going down and have beers on the deck. And lately I've been getting bombed a little bit more because it's summer and it's my job. I'm working at a bar. And before you sit there and criticize and throw stones at the glass house, you know, as you live in a glass house, I should say, it's a living too. You know, I lost most of what I was doing. So I'm, I'm continuing to do these podcasts because I enjoy it. Um, and, and I like it catching up with my buddies and everything. But like I said to people, like, this doesn't pay the bills. So I'm putting up with your bullshit for no reason. Because I'll get all kinds of DMs. And, and it, I mean ridiculous stuff. Like uh, people calling me a snowflake because I don't like Donald Trump. I mean, that's just, and again, I didn't say I didn't like Republicans. I get it. I feel bad for you. I lived in the States. I absolutely loved it down there. And I totally see some arguments that they're both sides of the fence. I, I, I seem to have to beat this to death. But again, I just don't like Donald Trump. I think he's ignorant. I, I, I would like to pick my leaders like if they were leading my hockey team. 
you know, what do you look for in there? You look for people that are courageous. You look for people that are unselfish. You look for people that are certainly not narcissistic and a megalomaniac. You look for people that are going to try to help you out because, again, they're unselfish. I, I don't see any of that from Donald Trump, let alone, the, you know, the fact that he's a criminal. You know, you could argue that, but, you know, he wouldn't have your back. You know, the guy's sitting there lying about the coronavirus. And I know a lot of people do, but I'm, and I know people say, well, politicians lie. It's the way it is. If you're clinging to Donald Trump, I, you know, whatever. I'm just saying I'm not. I think he's a dickhead. I, I wouldn't want him in my house, let alone leading my team, let alone leading my country. Now, do I think Trudeau's great? Not really. There's lots of flaws there too, but he's a human. I, I, like George Bush, there you go. Yeah, you know, Fahrenheit, 9-11, and all that shit. I never really bought into it. I, I think he was not the smartest president. But, um, just one sec. Sorry, I had to take a bit of a break there. <clears throat> a little party going on outside my window. Um, what was I saying? Oh, was it, was it Trudeau? Yeah, or sorry. Bush, I don't think he was the smartest, but, you know, he's, he shook your hand. He'd give you an interview. He'd talk to you. You know, he seemed like a good old boy. You know, he kind of, you could argue the election and all that. And, you know, I, I mean, I like Al Gore and stuff. Remember that, you know, I know he had a lot of criticisms. of. I, I'm just saying, if you look back at history and you look at presidents, right now I just watch, watched a... Um, documentary on Theodore and Franklin uh, Roosevelt that was great and, and you know again if you go back I, I just find that there was a level of even a bad president there was a level of respect and professionalism this guy is so selfish like all he cares about is ratings yesterday like people are dying Florida just had a record number of deaths people don't know what to do and he came on talking about how Fauci Dr. Fauci threw the first pitch uh, at a St. Louis Cardinals game, I think, or Washington Nationals game is what it was. And, uh, you know, how he should be doing it. And he's going to do it for the Yankees. And then he starts talking about passing that cognitive test that was just really a test to make sure that you're not out of your mind and you don't have Alzheimer's. And we all know it and we're looking at it. Like, that's what I mean. He's, I just think he would, be an, he, he would be locked up or he'd be in a mental institution if he wasn't president or he wasn't Donald Trump. If my dad got on, if I got on like that, people would, my friends would come over and put me in a straitjacket. <laughs> like every day it's just lies and narcissism and you know, the coronavirus isn't happening and you don't need a mask. Yes, you do. Or again, it was, now he's upset that he's not throwing out the ball at the game. Like what the fuck are you talking about now to, uh, and I always dive into that hole. I get sucked in because of all the goddamn DMS I get. And then I'll get some other people going like, Hey Terry, what do you think of the Leafs power play? And they're like, uh, look, I, I, I really, I appreciate that you send me a message, but I get so many of them. Like if I really, I don't have a secretary or anything. If I was really just wake up and answer my Instagram messages, that would take four or five hours. So then I'm, I'm not talking about Facebook and I don't know if it's where I'm accessible because I get back to people. I try to get back to everybody, but you know, I, I get some stuff, but you know, just with no offense to anybody, but if I'm going to talk about the Leafs power play, it'll be on here. Like I definitely don't have the time to go down and go like, Message number 47. Okay, here's what I think. Here's four paragraphs on the Leafs power play. You, you know, I just don't have the time, so I'm not trying to be a dick, but I try to get back to everybody. Um, but those I leave for last, you know, the, the, the haters and everything else. Like, look, I'm just trying to live my life. I'm doing this shit. I'm putting myself out there. I get it. 
and I'm, uh, you know, I got my, I, I, I get it. I'm a quirky, polarizing personality. I, I think I'm a good person. Actually, I know I'm a good person. And I'll do what I, I feel fairly unselfish. Okay, so whatever, I, I, I use sarcasm, comedy, whatever. I've got some crazy stories, or you might think so. You know, these are, that's just my personality. If you don't like it, don't follow me. Don't watch any of it. Like, you know, like that just, it's not like I'm coming on TV and I'm hijacking your channel, right? If I was on CBC or something, I was the anchor on Sportsnet or something, I came on there offending everybody, then you got something to say, but you, you just don't have to listen. Like, and I don't care. I'd rather have 5,000 people listen that want to than 25,000, you know, that are, that are going to beak and chirp and just make it hard on everybody involved. I have people honestly texting me about some guests, you know, saying he or she is asshole or, you know, people will comment on, honestly, in some cases, honestly, people's past and I'll be, you know, we, we have them on the show now. Like we're just, we're trying to talk about, you know, the future and the past. Of course, I don't mind commenting on it, but I, I don't want to get specific because there, there's one incident in my mind and I don't want to get into it. And it's hard to talk about it without bringing attention to this particular person that was on the show. But anyway, point being, I appreciate people listening um, and I really do. And I don't mind getting messages at all, you know, from some great fans and some people, you know, it, it got something to say about the book or whatever, or Terry, you know, I knew this person and I, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you wrote about him or her, or, you know, I've been there as well. Colorado Springs was awesome. I, I'm not saying I don't like to banter. I'm not trying to take for stuff for granted. It's all right. I'm just saying that, you know, if you don't like the product, you don't have to listen. I'm really Really, when it comes down to it, I like catching up with friends. I like certainly people like Maggie Connors. The, the world has to know. And I know I got thousands of people listening and, you know, it could, could really only help her out. So it's a platform for my guests. Um, I know that I've got the, the majority of people enjoy what they're listening to. It's just, you know, the, the real negative voices outweigh the positive. And that's just part of the industry, but it gets fucking old fast. Now, moving on. Um, so the MLB, I mean, you know, this is what I was saying with pro sports. I, I really hope, I hope. Now, the, NH the NHL seems to have the bubble going, and I, I think it has a chance to work. I'm still doubtful. And, you know, the MLB, I think, is going to fold. Like, again, there's more people on the Miami Marlins with COVID than there are in New Zealand. It's just, like I said, and now they're already saying, like today I saw, well, they might send their minor league team to play in Baltimore. What? It's not the MLB then. This is what I'm saying all along. It's bad enough. It's bad. Like, it's hard for me to watch with no fans. And uh, I mean, I, I guess it's entered. It, it's something to pique your interest. It just seems like an odd time. It's it, again, callous isn't the word because I want it to happen. I, I hope it happens. But it's just it's a house of cards. The Marlins. We have 14 players. Come on. Coach of the Nationals got a heart condition. He said, you know, I was, uh, he said I was an 8 out of 10 worried when this started. Now I'm a 12. It's, it's unfortunate, but it just seems to me, you know, some pitcher goes in. Who's the kid for um, Toronto? I, I, think he's, I think he's a rookie. Ryu? Or I, I saw him. With a, they said it was his first major league strikeout, an aging kid that was a prospect, came over and 
I don't know much about him. I guess I should have done my homework. But in any case, point, the point isn't about this, this pitcher. It's about anybody coming in now, right? Now, in the last three, say, games, there's rookies in the majors, right? They come in, they strike down the, the side, they strike out the side, they got stats. Like I said from the beginning, it, it's going to fall. If you're playing against now, if, 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 you know, Baltimore plays against Miami's farm team as the Miami Marlins, is it really an, ML, an MLB game? Right, someone goes nine for eleven, and then the state stats are inflated because some kid out of Double A is pitching his first game. It just, it just takes away. It, it's hard for me to take it seriously. Now, I hockey is the one sport that seems to have it going. I do. People said NBA, but not really. The the NBA has had people, girls, and you know, in and out of windows, pizzas. Um, you know, players leaving the compound. I, I'm just going by Twitter. A lot, a lot of like after club and girls coming in and whatever, which makes sense in any other world, but not in this one. If you want to keep the bubble alive and you're in fucking Florida, right? You're in Florida. Um, I think the NHL is the best chance. You, you, if you haven't known by yet and you're listening to this podcast, that's odd, which would mean you're somewhat of a hockey fan, but um, you know, they, they've got a bubble and they've got, I think a dozen like major restaurants and options and, and, you know, they try to make it as accommodating for the players as possible. And the boys are going to go in now and, and try to go at it. And, you know, they're very isolated cases. I think they all got tested two or three times. No one has it yet. If, if, if they stick to it. And again, I think hockey is the best chance of any of it, of sticking to it. Just again, cause I know how professional, you know, the NHL professional hockey players, I, I still think I have, my finger on that part of the pulse, right? I'm still involved in hockey. I go to games still. I talk to a lot of players that are still playing. So, you know, I feel like I can rep, you know, I feel like I'm confident in still being like part of that flavor. Whereas I, I don't know what goes on in the NBA or the NFL or, or the uh, major leagues or whatever it is, is not working as much as hockey. Cause I'm just looking at people with it. I, I'm just saying like, if, yeah, in my point of view, if a hockey player, the union is strong. I think they'd, yeah, I, I, I just think it has the best chance, which means I'm still skeptical. I'm still like 40%. Um, it's hard for me. And, and if players stop, start dropping off, then it's just hard for me to take it serious. Now, as far as the actual play, if these players, if these players actually stick to it and, 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 no one, you know, if health isn't an issue, which it shouldn't be if they, if they do this, um, then what do I think? People are saying, well, it's not the real Stanley Cup if they only play two rounds. Or no, listen, I think it's the real Stanley Cup. The only way it's not is if, like I said, in baseball, if one team's absolutely, you know, quarantined and your minor league has, they could be team has to show up because then it's not real stats. It's not real anything. You got lucky during a lightning in a bottle COVID. And some kid that, you know, probably wouldn't is going to get five goals in a period. You know, it's just, I don't think it's going to get to that, but it better not or I don't take it seriously. Now, that being said, if, if all the players handle this the right way and we go and we, we, without a, you know, without a hitch and it's rainbows and lollipops and everybody's fine, which I hope for and I'm rooting for and I can't wait to watch. Uh, then I'm fine with it, whatever they decide to do. It could be a one-game playoff. I mean, you want to you give it to the best team and you want the best team to be represented. That's all I was saying. 
but you know, if they agree, they agree. But you know what, people? It's going to have to be an asterisk because we, you know, it's going to be a different playoff format. But I'd rather an asterisk than nothing, right? Unless the asterisk again means that you're playing against inferior players. That's the one part that you'll lose me on. And so the MLB now, it's just I, I don't even care. Turn it on and oh yeah, who's who's not playing tonight? Four of these play, you know. What, which five aren't playing tonight, you know? Um, anyway, that's that. Okay, Maggie Connors. Uh, she'll be on. Uh, we got a few minutes. You know what? I, I, I think that's all right. I, I'm very excited to talk to Maggie. Um, we had a chat the other night um, as I was at TJ's having a beer, and she was walking. Uh, she was on George Street with her friends. So I went to have a chat, and actually uh, – um, Excited to have her on for more than one reason. It's it's not the the whole female hockey player and excelling. And you know, I haven't had a lot of women on here. It's also that she's from St. John's, and there's only so many of us that you know really have this level of achievement. You know, and if I'm looking at it, she led her team as a rookie in goals with 26. She had a 47 points, and she had or 46. She had another 47 this year. She was a rookie of the year in the uh, ECAC uh, and an All Star this year. I, I mean. And there is no NHL for women, but there's the pro hockey leagues that um, have been. Just one sec, I had to look it up. The Canadian Women's Hockey League. Okay, there. So, and I remember last year, remember all that kerfuffle? There was players that were upset, and for good reason, a lot of them. Um, and they wanted, you know, a bigger platform. There's more than one pro league. That's just the one that I was talking about in Canada, the Canadian Women's Professional League. Well, you know, girls like Maggie are some of the best in the world. And, and, and you know, the first step is not like there's a major junior and it's not like there's an NHL. There are pro women's leagues and there are junior leagues, but the best kind of situation you possibly ask for at her age would be what she's doing playing NCAA and she's dominating it you know I'm just saying for guys there's more options so it's more thinned out so great options now and there's probably more guys playing hockey worldwide so I'm not saying that the guys is any worse I'm saying in relative terms if you're a woman and you're playing NCAA it's by far the best league that you could play and if you're one of the best in it, then you're one of the best women in the world automatically. Um, so Maggie is one of the best female hockey players on the planet. And all things being equal, if there was a, a 32-team women's NHL, she would be on her way to it now, passing with flying colors. So I just want to put in perspective, because sometimes people don't realize it's a different game. It's the same game, but it's a different process. And if you're getting 47 points, as a first, as, as a rookie and as a sophomore, 40-odd points at Princeton, then it's the equivalent of being like a first-round pick in hockey. So I really, uh, I wish her the best, but I'll do that afterwards. I'm rambling. Here she comes. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready. The Maggie Counters interview coming right up. Some Enforcer Base podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colton Orr. 
That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice Podcast wherever you find your podcast presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. Yeah, he would uh, be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, this. Enforcer based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm excited for this week's guest. She is a native of St. John's, Newfoundland, has played at Chituck St. Mary's, Team Canada under 18, and currently plays for Princeton, where she almost has 100 points in two seasons for the Tigers in NCAA play. She is a fine forward, a patient point getter, a noble Newfoundlander, a courageous Canadian, a dynamite dangler, a terrific teammate. Not as crazy as it may seem, this girl made the all-rookie team. A real good skater, she buzzes like a bee and is one of the best in the ECAC. Dogs say wolf, cows say moo. This girl shines at Princeton U. When I fought Tidomi, I needed a suture. The Olympics may be in this girl's future. When I drink coffee, I have sugar and cream. She's played with the Canadian national team. She hangs around with a real good crew and at Princeton wears number 22. As a student, she's smart and passes with honors. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my friend Maggie Connors. Maggie, how you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no sweat. I'm all right. I'm excited to get into this. First of all, first of all, everybody knows by this point that you're succeeding and you're one of the <laughs> bright blue chips for Newfoundland hockey, especially on the female side. But how are you dealing with COVID and, and what's, you know, how are you training, basically? Um, yeah, so COVID kind of um, at Princeton, it almost came out of the out of the blue because um, with regards to Princeton's decisions, because I was one day we won the ECAC and we were going to the NCAA tournament. And then literally within eight hours um, of us being told um, that we were going online, we were told that we were being sent home a few days later. So it was a crazy turn of events. Um, and then I was home within a few days after that with my season canceled. Um, and then as Everyone knows um, all of North America, basically all of the world was shut down. And so I was training from home. Luckily, um, I have a pretty nice setup in my basement. So my training wasn't really hindered. But with regards to skating, obviously, I didn't skate um, for probably, I think it was a little over three months. I didn't get on the ice until like three weeks ago. Um, so definitely not ideal. But I think with regards to training, I possibly made, uh, I guess, the best out of it. I was unaware. Are you telling me that you guys won and you're on your way to play for the title? Yeah. So we just beat Cornell, who was number one in the country in overtime. And it was probably the best game. My God, I didn't know this. And I follow too. I really did not know this. Tell me about it. Yeah. Um, so it was a crazy game. We were, I think it was fifth or sixth in the country and ECAC's um, really competitive league and Cornell is number one and we played them in the finals of the ECAC tournament. We ended up winning um, in overtime so beating the number one team and then we we're already seated and going to play actually we're yeah so we're going to Boston to play Northeastern um, 
and it was probably the craziest two days. Like my coach was meeting with the president of the university every two hours. Um, and we went from, we were actually told, this was probably the craziest part. We were told our bags were packed in the locker room. The bus was packed. Everything was ready to go to drive to Boston. And the Frozen Four the weekend after was also in Boston. And the president told us, once you guys leave campus, meaning within an hour, you physically are not allowed to return until possibly the fall months. And so all my life is at Princeton. Obviously, my room is full. And so my coach was like, all right, you guys have, we'll leave tomorrow. You guys have one day to pack up your entire, and a day before this, life was fine. And so you, and they told us we had one day to pack up our room and leave and go to Boston and then maybe just leave everything in our dorm room. So that was the craziest part. And when we were told we had probably like three hours to pack up everything at Princeton and leave until the fall. Good God. Outside of that, I've heard good things. I mean, you're not going to say anything bad, but give us an idea. Like Princeton, it's well run. The high, I mean, it's a great school. How do you How? I guess it's two years almost that you've been there. How do you enjoy it? Um, yeah, I love Princeton. Um, being recruited, obviously, was an interesting process because I have so many different options. And I was really young um, when I decided to go to Princeton. I was, um, I believe it was the beginning of ninth grade. And I kind of knew from the start um, that I wanted to go if I had the capability and my parents were clearly supporting me to go the Ivy League route. Um, and then from there, luckily, I had a lot of interest from a lot of different um, Ivy League schools. But Princeton, for me, it just fit everything that I wanted. It was more of, it was a smaller school. Um, obviously, the academics stands for itself. Um, and with regards to hockey, it had a great program. And I knew the coach really well, Kara Mori. Um, she also is very involved with the Canadian national team. And then my incoming class that I was with, um, I knew all of them prior and I played with them prior. So everything, um, just kind of fit for me and it was the best decision. I think I love it so far. So. That's great. It's in New Jersey, right? Yeah, it is. Um, mm -hmm. so I guess, so what is the schedule? I, I'm it's 24 game schedule. Am I wrong there? Um, and, and, or around. And so you guys play mostly how many 24 within your own division and what, what teams do that, does that consist of? Yeah. So we honestly, it's a great question. I don't actually know how many legitimate games are in the season. I predict around mid twenties. Um, but generally maybe a little bit more than that, we would play in the thirties when it comes to playoffs and things. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know how many teams are in my league, which I should, um, but we have all the Ivy League teams and generally um, a lot of the East Coast teams minus the Boston area. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that includes obviously like Colgate University, all the Ivy Leagues, Quinnipiac, um, Clarkson, St. Lawrence, all those kind of schools. And it was okay. generally location-based, and so the drives aren't too bad. Nice. So I guess it follows the, the, the men because I follow the women's game. The same thing, though, when I follow the men's, I know there's some games that are exhibitions, some like I'll add it up in my head and they'll have the official stats here. And then I'll see a game that say Alex Snowhook, I watch a lot of his games, too. You know, he'll get maybe a goal and assist and it's not recorded here, but it's recorded here. I, just, I find it a little bit confusing, but I guess that's the nature of the beast, um, mm -hmm. uh, especially when you get so many schools and so many statistics, so many players. So I'm going to back it up a little bit. So. You're from St. John's, right? Or did you move here? Yeah, uh, no, I was born in St. John's. Okay. I, I became aware of you when you were like 12 or 13 years old. I usually see 
you know, go to, you just hang around the rink here. I try to explain to people. I mean, it's big, but it's not. I mean, you, you get the, the, the area of St. John's, you know, the metropolitan area is probably pushing 250,000 people. I'm not sure how many registered in hockey, but mm-hmm. you know, you go to games enough and, you know, I, I see the, the prospects that are coming up. Now I became aware then now each year that goes by, there's more and more women that play. If you go back to my era, there was definitely some of them, but they would have to play on the boys' teams for sure. And they would go all the way on the boys' teams up till midget and then hopefully go to some Canadian university or, or junior program. They were there when we, it was just kind of starting. It was, it was in its infancy. But, you know, the girls would have to play. And then they would go and meet other girls that actually played. And it was like, oh, okay, you're 17 and you play too. Now it's way different. I get that. But where are we? Like when you started, did you play boys' hockey and like Adam? Um, yeah, I did. So it's already from looking, looking at it now compared to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, um, probably like eight, 10 years ago, it's, it's incredible how far the girls game has come in Newfoundland. So when I started, I kind of got into hockey through my brothers. My parents literally were like, what's a sport we can put them all in? Not too confusing. And obviously a lot of Canadians, especially Newfoundlanders, like you should know how to skate um kind of a Canadian thing and so I ended up my parents put me in figure skating that didn't last too long um and then I ended up playing with the boys all the way up until I went away to Shattuck St. Mary's in eighth grade but in saying that I started actually playing under 12 I believe when I was seven or eight and then progressing to under 15 and this was kind of just like the leagues around and at that point there was minimal players I would say I never I didn't even think there was a all-girls hockey camp except for Hockey Newfoundland Labrador the high performance program Um, I don't think I ever went to an all-girls camp except I would travel an absurd amount when I was younger with my family I would spend probably five six weeks of my summer in Toronto all the weekends playing for girls teams away um, because at that time, sadly, like it was the only way that I could generally get noticed. I think that's definitely changed in the um, last five years or so. I think girls have a lot of more opportunities here. Um, so yeah, I did play guys all the way up. And I think one reason I had the opportunity to stick with girls, um, but I played both because from my standpoint and my ability at the years I was at um, competitiveness wise and, players that I thought would push me just happened to be the guys teams and I generally actually really liked playing with the boys because I um, had a good friend group with them and I'm still friends with them now so it was I grew up playing extreme and I'm still you know still with them deadly well so grade eight you went grade Um, eight you left is that what I just heard yeah I was no wonder I saw you at 12 or 13 because you were gone you you know what I mean like no no wonder (laughs) I didn't see after that I mean I didn't realize either I knew that you went there, I thought like one prep year before school. I didn't realize you were at Chautauqua for that long. So what was the connection and mm-hmm. why so early? So yeah, I get this question a lot. Um, so how I actually picked schools, clearly my parents were heavily involved because me picking schools started in sixth grade. Um, and my parents, just so you know, were not totally for, like they did not really want me to leave, but I- Wow. I, you, so I, you pushed that envelope and at, at, in grade eight. That's amazing. Well, well done. That's a very independent decision. And so I'm not sure I'm guessing you know of um, Nathan Nolan, Andrew Pico. I totally, yes. They, 
they also went to Shattuck and were really good family friends with them. Um, and so they were always in contact with my parents. And then um, the head of the girls program, Gordy Stafford, saw me a few times at a different camps because again, I was traveling a lot of um, Northeast of the US and then also in Toronto a lot at different camps. And so um, I considered a number of different schools. Well, me and my parents did, including Appleby, which is in Ontario, um, Shattuck, and then I believe some on the East Coast of the US. But when it came to making the decision, it was kind of what hockey school would fit best for me. And then also the academics because academics for me has always been above um, athletics. And so it was kind of what fit best, especially me being in eighth grade. I almost chose Appleby because it would make more sense for my family to come visit me because they did come every two weeks when I went. Um, but they didn't actually take borders in eighth grade for, at Appleby. You had to bill it in my family. My parents weren't really too on board with that. Me being so young, they kind of wanted everything together, everyone living in one place. Um, so yeah, I chose Shattuck. It was definitely a hard transition. Um, I was homesick for the first probably two, three weeks, which makes sense. I was only 12. Um, but then from there, like I absolutely loved it for five years. Um, that's kind of like where I grew up, where a lot of my friends are today. And it's interesting because I say what I have a good, like how connected the hockey world is, is pretty crazy because maybe yeah, only one to two people that went to Shattuck that were on my team were actually from Faribault, which is where the school is. So I made connections in the hockey world all over North America, which was awesome. Uh, how far is Faribault from Minneapolis? 45 minutes south. Okay. I used to, is, have you heard of a place called Brainerd? Is Brainerd, do they have any hockey programs in Minnesota? You, you would know if, if I used to go to this place, San Jose at a camp. It was, it was like, it was way off. It was like a country. It was like here going to Salmon Air or something. It was just, there was a hockey rink, but it was like 40 minutes away from everything. And we would like be out living at a lake. I'm not even sure. It was definitely Brainerd, Minnesota, but I've never been back. And I, I go to Minnesota quite a, I used to, my father played for the Minnesota Fighting Saints. Okay. Uh, WHA team that was around in the 70s. So I've gone back to explore, kind of like you would go and see the, your family tree. I just wanted to see what I didn't remember about being two years old kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting. I mean, you're 12 making these decisions. I can't believe it. That 22 would be young. That's 10 years because everything you've said make total sense. How did you know then that you wanted academics? My God. I mean, it's great that you do, but that's, this, these decisions – are growing up for a 20 year old. Um, and what do you do in school? Um, so currently I'm enrolled in public and international affairs. Um, and so within that, you can take a bunch of different tracks. You can take finance, you can kind of take a policy track, you can do virtually anything within that. And so I picked that school because it gives me so many different, um, different roads if I wanted to. And then with regards to what track I actually pick that comes within the next year or so. Um, so it gives me just some time to figure out what I actually want to do. But I've always been really interested um, in public affairs and it's pretty broad major. Um, so yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. So now let's just, let, let's, that's great that you have academic goals and it's important. It's probably more important than hockey, but in the short run, well, it is more important. In the short run, you've got some goals now. Let's say this COVID's not happening. There's no pandemic because 
I don't want to keep speculating on if or when. Or... So you played on Team Canada under 18 twice. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? So I have, this is my fourth year. I played one year U18 and this would be my third year. I'm in the virtual camp right now for okay. the under 18. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, okay. I, now I get it. So a goal would have to be, I almost, when I ask, it sounds like I'm jinxing because of the situation, but a goal would be to play in the Olympics, right? Yes. Okay, so was that a goal from day one? Because I often try to explain to people that it, it should be obvious, but if, if you're a female playing, like there, there's two things I would want to do. I would want to play university because, again, in, in relative terms for the guys, it's a bit watered down because there's all kinds of options. A lot of players come from Europe and stay over there. A lot of players go major junior. I mean, the vast majority of times. But if you're a female hockey player, like to get to that NCAA is kind of like for your age, the NHL. So at least in the same, at least why I look at it, like setting goals. So, and then you've had Olympics or you'd have the Olympic goal. I'm not mm -hmm. putting down professional women's hockey. I hope it gets on track. I know they had yep. some problems last year, but it would really help. I think hockey in general, boys, girls, black, white, red, yellow, you know what I mean? I think it would just help if they really had a, a bigger platform, but right now it's not there. So at least like it will be soon when all this gets corrected. So the Olympics would be, uh, to get back to the question, did, was that always a goal? And now, I mean, you're sitting there, you're, you're up there with the top scores. You, you've been successful at that level. It must, I mean, you must have a hunger as a competitor to play. So I guess, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I can't remember the first time that I actually had the goal come to mind about wanting to go to the Olympics, probably when I kind of understood what the Olympics were and the ability, um, obviously that it had women's ice hockey, which so would definitely been pretty young. Um, but I think one of the general goals I've always had was just to play for my country and play for Canada because it's such, um, a, I guess, honorable thing to do, especially in ice hockey and how um, prominent it is in Canada. And so I've always wanted to play for team Canada and then Obviously through that comes the Olympics, but the Olympics is not something you kind of just like jump to, especially with the national program. Well, if you could, um, doesn't really happen. But so I started at the U18 level. And so the first time I played for Team Canada was like, I still am, but it was, I was so shocked. It was amazing experience. Cause it was like the first time I ever threw on the Jersey and represented them. And that was, um, that was an amazing experience. Cause I also traveled to Russia that year with them, played in worlds. Um, and ever since then I've been the under 22 development team is basically just all college players. Um, and so that's what I'm currently, I'm currently in their program and their summer, I guess you could say summer camp, but it's all virtual, obviously. So I usually spend, if I make the team, which luckily I have, um, all of my August at the Olympic training center in Calgary. And so that's usually what my summers are dedicated to training for that, making that team. Um, but the Olympics has always been the big goal. But for me, I've realized that you can look big picture on things, but to achieve the goal that I want, there's so many steps in between. And so I agree with you. One, I recognize at a young age that if I wanted to um, go after that goal, I needed to move away from Newfoundland, which was unfortunate, but I had to. And so that was Shattuck. And then from there, um, I always kept again, academics was something that um, always was first for me. And so I kept that in mind and wanted to get the best 
best hockey program I could. So now I'm at Princeton. And then with that, still with the national team. And so I'm not sure when or if what year Olympics I will be striving for. Obviously, as soon as possible, it would be the best. Um, so I'm kind of just on the track to training for that, being in that kind of general scope of players. Um, so yeah, it's the big picture, but right now I kind of have some shorter, uh, short-term goals in mind as well. No, that's great. Now, how was it putting on the jersey? For me, the first time I put on the Team Canada jersey was under 18, and I, 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 I started to get goosebumps, and it never really went away, even, you know, years and years and years, and even the last couple of years playing for Team Canada in ball hockey, I guess the last 15. Um, but for me, yeah, th that was something I didn't really expect. I mean, I really wanted to play for the team, but when I put on the jersey for the first time, it was almost like all these emotions and it just felt like it, not a monkey off my back, but it felt surreal. Is I mean, how did you feel? Yeah, you described it perfectly. I yeah. think um, I remember exactly where obviously it was at. That year we have after camp, you get picked and then you play three game series against the United States. So this was under 18 um, and this was my junior year going into senior year of high school um and I just remember it was the biggest feeling I got was obviously it's like so many emotions going through your head because I've my whole life kind of has revolved around hockey a lot of decisions has been made so it's like a goal that I've finally been striving for and something like totally has paid off that I've had in mind for years prior um so out of probably all my team Canada experiences the first time put on the jersey and Worlds was probably the most memorable as, I mean, it never gets old putting on the jersey. I'm not saying that. It's just, oh, it's yeah. memorable for the first time. And then truly being in the international tournaments, it's um, it's something I definitely won't forget and it's something that I want to keep striving for. It's huge. Congrats to you. There's not many in your position. What's your biggest goal that you've scored, like actual goal ever? Um, that's a good question. Biggest goal ever, um, I would, see, I would probably, I would have one for Team Canada and then one for probably Princeton. Unfortunately, the goal didn't, we didn't result in a win, but it was against the United States when I was in um, Dimitrov, Russia at Worlds. And it was, we were in, I believe, quarters or semis against the U.S. Just the way it worked out that we ended up playing the U.S. Oh, yeah in the quarters or semis. So it was kind of like that almost felt like the championship game. Um, and anyway, I think, um, so basically it went into a shootout. We we're winning. We lost in the round Robin and then we we're winning in this, I believe it was quarterfinals. Um, it was three to one for us going into the third period. We ended up taking four penalties in the third period, which was, Ugh. I mean, out of your control at that point. So we're on the penalty kill for virtually. Were they bad penalties or? Yeah, you don't want to say. Because yeah. it gets pretty violent out there. People think there's no hitting in women's hockey. I'm like, no, not yeah. really. They rub each other out in front of the net. They'll stick you in the back of the ankle. I've seen it. It's yeah. as violent, as, especially when the games are on the line. Canada, U.S., for yeah. those that don't know, I mean, you should, but very, very, very physical. So, um, yeah, yeah I guess definitely really notice is playing especially at that level like how physical the game actually gets and so anyway they come back it's 3-3 we go to 20 minute overtime and then we go to a shootout and um I shot first I believe or right after the U.S. but first for Canada and 
I think why I remember it as probably one of my bigger goals was not just actually scoring it, but it was also I, luckily going to Shattuck, eight girls that were on my U18 Shattuck team were on the U.S. national team. So it was, again, another big rivalry for me. Wow, so, that is incredible. Yeah, and then, um, again, the goalie that I actually played with, like against Lindsay Reed, who was the U.S. goalie at the time, she's still outstanding. She plays for Harvard and was outstanding. She was I don't know, maybe six four, six five on the ice. And so she's huge. She's so like really good. And I could not score against her in the round robin or that game. And so anyway, I came down and I um I faked it and went to my backhand and I scored. And so that was probably the biggest personal goal I've scored. We ended up losing in the shootout, which was awful. Pretty big goal. Um, pretty big goal. Probably one of the um coolest goals besides that with Princeton was at Last year in playoffs, we were playing St. Lawrence. Um, we, if we won that game, we moved forward. And again, we were going to the probably NCAA tournament, which we did last year. And it went into overtime, and it was 5v5 overtime for five minutes. And we, like, needed to win the game. And I – saying I was exhausted in, over, in overtime was probably an understatement. I don't remember ever being that tired in a game. And so – Luckily, I don't know how the puck got through. Like, it was this just scramble against the boards from the blue line to the blue line, like physically against the boards. The puck was just being moved along. Anyway, I somehow ended up with it, and I, like, walked down, and I shot um, short side. And I'm not the most accurate shooter. That's probably one of my weaknesses. And I don't know, I just hit the perfect spot, and we scored one in overtime and went to the NCAA tournament. So that's probably my biggest Princeton goal so far. So. Um, no, that, that's interesting. That's a huge goal and an interesting story. And what I like about the first one is that, you know, you had time to think like, yeah, because the, the penalty shot situation, no matter what it is, it used to be a lot more rare, but you still, you know, you have time to actually think about it. And there's the chance. I, I don't know why when I miss a penalty shot, I feel so bad. But yeah. I always have, but it's like, you know, the odds are it's not going to go in. Um, I mean that it's like two out of five or something like the odds are, I'm not saying that your talent wouldn't, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I know you can snipe. Um, <laughs> so who would have been your idols? Um, you, and would they even be hockey players or, you know, students or growing up, who, who did you look at uh, and say, you know, I want to do that or like Heather Newman, Amy Curlew, do you know who I'm talking about? I used to watch those yeah. girls. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were great girls on the scene a little bit before you and I would watch them. So, mm -hmm. you know, are there girls like that that you looked up to? Yeah, so I think my idols have kind of not changed, but I think like when I was younger, they've changed it now um, just with how like I've grown up and things. Ones obviously that haven't changed has definitely been my parents. Like they literally have supported and got me through everything with hockey and school so far. They're the ones that obviously are the reason I can go to Princeton and the reason I was able to go to boarding school um, and everything like that. So with regards to looking up to them would definitely be probably our number one idols. Um, everything from like from day one, they instilled in me that academics, no matter how talented, hardworking I was at hockey and how far it was going at the end of the day, I knew, and my parents taught this to me at a young age that unfortunately women's hockey is not like men's right now. And you're not going to, be able to make a living off of purely women's hockey and so that's where academics um 
is going to be able to create the career and lifestyle that I want. And so they taught that to me. So definitely, I mean, to this day, I look up to them. But when it comes to hockey athletic sides of things, I would probably say so. I Haley Wickenizer was someone that I looked up to, and Natalie Spooner, who's still on the national team. Because mm. in 2010, um, I don't know if you would remember this, but the Four Nations Cup with the Olympic team was in Newfoundland in Mount Pearl. I do remember and, it. Yeah, I went. Yeah, I was luck. I was lucky enough. I don't know. My parents put me in this. Um, I guess like day with Team Canada, and I ended up winning it. And so I got to spend the day with Haley Wickenizer. And Natalie Spooner was my mentor. And this when I was, I believe I was 10 years old when this happened. And actually right there, it's on my wall. But um, interesting. Yeah, it's when I met them. And I kind of like, that's when I really, I think, wanted to chase the goal of being on the national team. It's when I really understood and was like firsthand experience. I got to skate with them and warm up. Um, So yeah, they're definitely with regards to hockey. They're just my idols, just because I got to meet them at a really young age and do what they do. no, those are phenomenal picks. Um, does, well, did your parents play sports? Like, it, they seem to, I mean, you're, you're, you're making a lot of early independent decisions, but your, your parents also seem to be great supporters and really know what they're doing when it comes to raising their kids. Did they play sports? Did they have any similar situation, or was this all new for all you guys? Um, I think, I'm not going to lie, um, my family's, at least my siblings, it was very new. I was the first one to go through it. But in saying that, um, my parents were, my dad was, my dad did play hockey. I don't think, no, my mom didn't, but she was, she played tennis and she was a really big into dancing. And I was put into dancing in the beginning, but it didn't work out. Um, so my mom was played tennis a lot and was really big into dancing. And my dad, um, he played hockey, I believe other sports as well, but hockey was the main sport. Um, he didn't go away for it or anything. Um, they just kind of played growing up and then so I'm the first one in the family to kind of take it outside of Newfoundland and interesting okay interesting but they did so there's something to be said for genetics you know they're athletes it would probably be a surprise (laughs) to me if they weren't at all Um, and so where do you I guess where do you see yourself in 10 years from now and given all that's going on, that's a very tough question. That's that hypothetical is really out there because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's personal, there's team, there's pandemic, there's place like, you know, as any of it, you seem like the kind of person that's riding the wave. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of a difficult question. I feel like I have a better answer for five years, but 10 years from now? Oh, so. I know. Five years, I know. I think that's why I said 10, because five, I could fill in the blanks myself, which what I think Maggie Connors would want to do, but you're so academically driven, and 10 puts us out of that realm. That puts you at about 30, and I'm like, you know, not that you couldn't still be playing, but life will start coming together in a different way, I guess. I was just curious. I mean, you don't have to answer that. No, yeah. I've, I mean, as of now, things can obviously change tomorrow in a year, et cetera. But as of now, my general plans would be, I really am committed to trying, attempting, wanting to go to the Olympics. Um, and I think the, not the last year that I would consider it, but probably the one I'm striving for the most would be 2026. Um, and so in saying that in 10 years from now, I don't know 
if hockey is going to be still in the picture with me just because again like my career in academics has always come first for me and so I think after 2026 that would probably be two years three years something like that out of college and if everything the stars aligned and I did go to the Olympics I think I would probably start focusing on my career after that so exactly what I want to do with my life and things I'm still very unsure of um, I don't want to I don't want Princeton to be the end of my education so I really realistically go get my master's or um, go to school again after Princeton so that's still gonna happen, but that's more what I was getting at okay so yeah yeah that's uh that's interesting. And what are some other interests? What, what, like, do you have other sports or other hobbies that are as dominant in your life or even close? Uh, I guess that's a bad question. What would be some other interests, like two through four? Okay. Um, my, obviously, so I would say this is kind of, and I don't know if it's a random one, but I really like to travel and I really want to travel. I've seen literally all of North America. Um, and so I yeah. really want to travel Europe and go outside in the next, I don't know, coming years. So that's a big interest. I really like to travel something that would make more, make more sense to me as I also have a lot of interest in other sports. Um, I want to, I played lacrosse growing up and I also played. You played tennis. lacrosse growing up here in Newfoundland? No. Played in high school, middle school, both of them. So um, I see. it's I big in Shattuck or Shattuck, I guess. I keep saying yeah, Shattuck. Yeah, it's big in Shattuck, is it? Yeah. So basically, okay. with Shattuck, you have to have a spring sport. Um, and I thought about golf, but I never really kind of. I mean, not that I didn't. I wasn't good at golf. I just never really got into it. I want to, though. Speaking <sighs> of the summer, I do. But um, well, you got all your life for that. You can still swing a club when you're fifty. <laughs> exactly. So I'd say <laughs> no, I'm not saying I just put down all the golf players. No, I just mean I can. I don't mean to uh, disrespect one of your hobbies either. I'm saying, yeah, I'm the same way. It's you know, it's 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 fun, but you're you're a hockey player right now. Yeah, I would say probably a lot of my interests just revolve around sports in general. Like, I love. I don't know a sport that I'm not interested in. So I definitely, if I had more time on my hands growing up, I think I would have tried to pursue more than just hockey. I did. I did play soccer and I did play tennis, but like my life was just so involved with hockey and so committed to that sport that I didn't really get the chance to kind of see if I was good at another one. Um, I think that's something I'd recommend to people growing up now is that not just like playing a bunch of sports, but also like giving yourself a chance in different sports to see if like what's best for you. And like, if you are just naturally better at one sport than another is not something I really looked into that much growing up, and I wish I did. But Totally yeah. um, understandable. Um, what's your favorite pregame? No, what's your favorite meal in general? Okay. And um, do, you, do you like to cook yourself? Or uh, I certainly didn't when I was your age, but uh, yeah, give us an idea. If I like to cook, no, I, I don't like to cook. Um, I wish I did, but I just, I'm not going to lie, I can't can't stand it um and so my favorite meal would probably be steak and caesar salad which i have an absurd amount when i'm home because my dad's a huge cook oh, um, i see i have that a lot but that's definitely my favorite definitely my favorite meal and is that pregame meal as well or do you go with pasta or both 
Um, so pregame meal, I don't necessarily have a favorite one because with Princeton, even with Shattuck, it was just there and you ate it um, for every pregame meal. And same with Team Canada. But I've kind of, I've kind of evolved into just eating basically. It's like chicken, rice, and vegetables, or chicken pasta and vegetables ends up being every pregame meal that a team provides us. So I've just learned to like that. I'm not, I'm not that picky when it comes to pregame meals. Is the female um, preparation similar? I know that for, for me, you know, I, I would, I, I, what I found hard about the regular season, no matter where I was playing, and NCAA is a high level. So like, you know, it, say it was relative terms like me playing major junior. What I found that, and because and there's so much mental pressure as well at the time, was I was going to school as well, but playing major junior, but say, you know, it's for the draft. For you, it's, it's you know, for those things you mentioned with Team Canada, it's being an elite player at Princeton. It's keeping up with your studies. So I found actually working with my body, because you still have to have your body in top shape. You don't want to lose weight but or strength. But if you keep pumping iron hard, you're going to be tired for the games. I found it really hard to find that balance. And I got a nutritionist with the Tri-City Americans at the time to help me out. Do you find that part hard to deal with or the fact that you've been preparing yourself? I'm, I'm guessing at Shattuck, you know, they have people there to do that for you. You know, are you used to that now? Are you used to the grind of the regular season? I would say I am. I would not say in any way it's easy, but I've definitely adapted to it. Um, to me, Princeton in general is just a step up of obviously everything from Shattuck, but Shattuck prepared me in ways that I didn't even know at the time because my daily schedule at Shattuck was possibly a, almost equivalent to what it is at Princeton. We, like quickly, my schedule was basically I would wake up at 5.30. I would be on the ice at 6.30 to 8 every morning. Then I'd go to school from 8.45 until 4 o'clock every day. Then we would lift until 5.15. Then we would eat. Then I would do homework, and then I would go to bed. Wow. Um, so that was from 8th to 12th grade. So I really just got a handle of time management, organization, learning how to deal with both school and athletics in middle and high school. Um, and so that really helped me. But when it comes to Princeton, I think it's a little bit different because everything is just ramped up. Like we obviously we have with NCAA, you have a limited number of hours. You can actually train a week, but my coach, which nothing against, love it, uses the maximum number of hours, which is 20 a week, I believe, something like that or close to it. Um, and so my schedule at Princeton would probably be depending practice time changes every day, but we only lift twice a week. We practice and do video every day and then travel on Fridays. Well, no, travel on Thursdays, play on Fridays and Saturdays, Sundays off. Um, but really, what really makes Princeton so difficult is trying sometimes to fit like attention to my academics when it really needs it. Because with regards to hockey, you, I can't just be like, hey, coach, I. I can't feel like, hey, coach, I can't come because, you know, like yeah. things aren't really working out. I'm kind of busy. I mean, like sometimes you would totally understand, but that's not something that occurs regularly, regularly. So you really need to kind of schedule your days out. But yeah, I would say I, it's not easy, but I've adapted. Interesting. Of all, so you've been all over North America, like you said, what's your favorite city? Outside of the ones you've lived in. 
Okay. Um, probably, as of now, I won't lie, probably New York, New York City. I really, okay. I've been many times and Princeton's only a 40 minute train ride away. I thought so. Um, I just love it because there's so many things to do, literally everything you can think of. Um, so I really enjoy that. I don't think I would want to live necessarily anywhere near New York City just because how busy it is, but I really enjoy going there with friends. Interesting. Now, you're, and again, I've gone over the half hour, but I know you said you had a little bit more time, so thanks. Uh, just a few questions at the end for the later side. You're stranded on an island, Desert Island Discs. What are your three CDs that you would take with you? Now, of course, CDs are old. It's just neat. It's an easy way. Who are your three favorite bands? I guess that's a better question. It used to be a question on K-Rock. They used to say, you know, Desert Island Discs, but does anybody even know what a CD is anymore? And you just have your phone on you, wouldn't you, with thousands of options. <laughs> Let's just say this hypothetical. You got three bands that you can take any amount of songs that they have so you pretty much take their catalog who do you pick or or artists or whatever okay um it's a great question i like all genres of music so i would say i don't know if you know do you know the chain smokers of course yes i would say chain smokers um i've always loved drake's music so drake there you go some good canadian rap there and probably Dan and Shay, because I also love country music. Nice pick across the board. Wow. Yeah. You, you, yeah, you went a little bit. You delved into some different genres there. Now, how about movie? You can take five movies that you've already seen. Okay. This is going to be kind of classic, but The Blind Side is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Um, love The Blind Side. Happy Gilmore, because I've probably seen it 20 times. It never gets old. Um, and then, I don't know if you've seen the movie Secretariat, but that's definitely my number one favorite yes. movie. Yes. Is it number one? Wow, I did. I liked it, yeah. And I, and I like the movies that are based on reality and, and real history. Yeah. And yeah, I thought it was very impressive. Um, I'm not sure if... Probably, I also really like comedy. I don't know if you've seen The Bridesmaids. Yeah, that's... Bridesmaids. There you go. Yeah, a few years ago, it's funny. A great movie and then it's a good pick the last one um i got roped into watching it actually and i liked it oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah my friend <laughs> it's it's a good movie i think um, you got probably, one left maggie connors what would it be this is a hard pick maybe the um the taken movies because i also really like thrillers interesting Okay, well, you know, we're pretty much at the end. Do you have anything to add that I, that I left out that you really want to promo or, or anything like that? That you, Any messages that you want to pass on? Um, I don't think we left anything out. I just think one thing that I would probably say is, obviously, since we're looking at kind of my career in female hockey in Newfoundland, it's just how much it's grown. And I don't... I only came to realize this probably within the last year, but since when I started, this sounds crazy because I'm still so young, but since when I started to now, seeing how many girls camps and how many people are actually currently, you know, trying out for the high performance camp and how well Newfoundlanders are doing um, on the on national teams and being invited there has changed remarkably. And I think that's just something that has grown a lot. And so 
I'm happy to help out, obviously, and that's something I definitely want to do when I'm older on top of whatever my career is, is um, definitely help and develop female hockey in Newfoundland. Well, you're a great role model. You get your head on your shoulders, and I believe with two of those things going for you, and you're a great hockey player, I think you'd be a great teacher, and I just don't mean... I don't mean like actual education, like going to be a teacher. I mean, like of the sport, uh, you can definitely, you know, pass on some info to young players, to some women that have goals in different, it's not just hockey. You know, mm -hmm. I find, um, at least through my experience, you know, I'd come home and meet people and, and, and you know, it, it's often people that look up to players like yourselves or people like yourselves because you set goals and you're living it. It doesn't really always have to mean it's hockey. Hockey is the vehicle that brings you to Princeton. You're getting a Princeton education because of it. And I really respect you. I love the fact that you made those decisions at such a young age. Do me a favor when you get off here, go high five your parents and tell them that I have so many people on here that get the wrong or, or at least that, um, get naive information. And, uh, I really like the decisions that you made and you're a great role model for not only people in St. John's and Newfoundland, not only Canada, but worldwide. Thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, maybe come out with us sometime. We got to, I'm skating a few times a week. We got a St. John's cap skate. We'd love to have you out sometime. Oh yeah. I'd love to. Thanks for having me. No sweat. I'll be in touch. Seeing around again soon. Thank you very much, Maggie Connors. And there you have it. Maggie Connors. I was, um, you know what? I was I was really looking forward to talking to Maggie and a lot of blanks. There Now I'm figuring out why there were so many blanks in my head. Like she left so young. I thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, man, I saw her play when she was like 12 and she was dominant, even like with the boys and everything. She was great. But yeah, she went to Shattuck in grade eight. So no wonder. No wonder. It's five years of, of her uh, young life were spent in Minnesota. And, you know, there's a lot of coming of age years that that really, uh, you know, form your personality. So hats off to her for realizing her opportunity and seizing the day, as they say, carpe diem. Uh, thanks a lot to Maggie for coming on. And like I said, I wasn't shitting you. That's a great role model uh, for boys, girls, men, women, whoever, and hockey players and non-hockey players. That's just a person with a major drive and focus and is in the midst of success so keep an eye out for maggie and uh yeah um basically not only keep an eye out but i i mean that in a hockey sense you know and we talked about the national team and the olympic team and some great goals and dreams and all that but uh i think she's going to be and whatever she chooses to do, she's going to succeed. I mean, she, I didn't delve too far into the um, academic side of things, but, you know, she said she wants to get her master's and academics are number one. And that's, that's where your head should be when you're in that position. Because, uh, you know, it's obvious that she's competitive and she's a good athlete. But uh, this is an opportunity to get a free degree from a major, major Ivy League school and she's getting it. So way to go, Maggie. Um, what else? Yeah, we talked about the NHL coming back. Honestly, everybody, I certainly hope so. Who, who's my picks? You've asked me in, in, a, in, a, in a perfect world if this were to happen. I, I don't know. I think COVID's going to, I still think it's going to affect teams. Like some, I'm not saying physically that people are going to be 
on the sidelines because they have respiratory problems. I hope that doesn't happen. It's obviously a possibility, but we're talking about some of the best athletes in the world. So you'd hope not. But what I'm saying is that, you know, there's going to be players that adjust differently to being off the ice for three and four months. I know now they've been back for a while, but like there was a big period. Now I, I know I always push playing other sports in the summer and everything, but I had never gone and I've had to play a lot of hockey. I had never gone four and five months without skating. I don't know who has unless you got a major injury. And when each team, I mean, pretty much had to for at least three of those months, um, it, you know, it's going to affect different players differently. Um, older players might have joints aching, might have, you know, might take longer to recover from, well, longer to recover, I guess, would be a good thing, I suppose. People, yeah, maybe that goes the other way. Maybe there's people that needed a break and got it. I just think three and four months off, boy, it's a long time. Um, now they're all back, they're all in the same position. Just saying that we don't really know. We're all watching that, assuming, or we're going to watch, assuming that it's just going to pick up where it left off. Like I said, a lot of people are different. A lot of people probably didn't see it coming and we're going to go and went boozing for three months. I mean, again, I, I mentioned before, I think Joel Ward retired. Are there any more players that retired? I mean, that. That affects you. If, you know, if you've got players on your team that retire, you know, they're not going to go in the lineup. But, um, Bay, who do I think? I don't know. I think what I thought before. I think, um, you know, teams like Edmonton and, and, and Pittsburgh still have, like Crosby and, and, and McDavid, and, you know, Ovechkin's going to be chomping at the bit. Tampa Bay, don't ever rule them out. In other words, what I'm saying is that I, um, yeah, I, I, I can't make a prediction because I do think there's going to be other factors, but I, I, I don't have a reason to go, you know what? Well, Montreal would have a great regular season, but they're really going to come out and win. I, I just have no reason to say that. So my predictions are going to be exactly what they were, you know, that I don't even know what they were, man. I don't. Um, let's say Pittsburgh. Okay. I like Pittsburgh. I always did. And I want to see Crosby win again. I just like seeing him win. I don't think it's McDavid's time, but so that wouldn't be a bad thing for his mental state. I mean, you know, there's pressure. You know, there's pressure just like to win playoff round, playoff round. I don't know quite that there's pressure yet for McDavid to win a Stanley Cup. Rome wasn't built in a day and they didn't make the playoffs like most of his existence on the Oilers. So, you know, I'd just be looking for a strong performance, though. I'd say more than anybody, this guy's fired up. This guy's fired up. Uh, so, you know what? Yeah. I, I think I'm just going to say it. Why not? The Oilers have been an absolute plane crash the last few years, but yeah, who knows? Uh, I think they'll be all right. And you know who I'd like to see do well? I'd like to see Winnipeg. Just just for the city of Winnipeg, you know? And, and I, I just would like to see it happen. We all talk about these Canadian teams, and, you know, the Jets have had... Well, they have a good history, but just a, a history that's trying on their fans, <laughs> you know, with losing their team, it's coming back. It came back, and then they had a couple of real tough playoff exits. They got some great players. They're on the verge. I don't know that they have all the horses, but I'm rooting for them. Okay, so uh, it's obvious I'd love to see Toronto um, be half successful, Montreal. Of course, I'm trying to be diplomatic, but of the teams, yeah, I don't want to – I mean, of course I'd like Montreal to win, of course. Now, it's different this year, but any other year that, you know, I like them winning because it's a, 
you know, I used to get to use the alumni room and stuff. And it is a team I played for. My, my, my particular history might be, be slightly troubled, but I still love the fact that I played for the Habs. And um, I love when the Leafs win anyway. I think it, it's unbelievable in Toronto when any of their playoff teams does well. Just look at the Raptors last year. Now imagine if that's the Leafs. So that's why that intrigues me. Vancouver, eh, I don't know. Calgary, I don't know. Just this particular year, I'm going to say if I got to Winnipeg, Edmonton, okay? You're going to think I'm nuts, but that's kind of what I'm rooting for. Okay, sorry about that. I had to take another little break. There's, um, there's a gathering outside my window, and they're also building a fence next door, so it's been a little bit distracting if, if you've picked up on that. But in any case, uh, yeah, it's a great guest. It's good to be back. These are going to be coming out once a week. Uh, remember, Penny Posh, okay, if you want uh, hoodie. Uh, they're normally $129.99. Like I said, we'll give one to you for $69.99, and my dad and I will throw in a picture. If you want a copy of my book sent to you, it's going to be $20 plus shipping, and I'll sign it. But uh, uh, if it's in the States, a little bit more. But if it's in Canada, it's generally 8 to 10 bucks. So, you know, 30 bucks altogether, generally. In Newfoundland, it's a little bit different. I mean, I'll even drop it off to you if it's in St. John's. Uh, but I got to charge 20. That's what they charge in the store, right? And uh, I got to make a dollar somehow. Uh, but I'll send it out to you. It's no sweat at all. I hope everybody's happy with uh, the way that's gone so far. I think everybody's gotten their books. We got pictures too. So, you know, I go ahead and get these pictures taken off. If you want a signed picture from my father and I, you have $10 for one or the other or $15 for two. And that's what I've been doing. And people... I guess, you know, want them for their basements or whatever. There's lots of Habs fans, Newfoundland hockey fans. My dad played for Minnesota, of course, and Kalamazoo. And so I kind of underestimated that. I went on there a little while ago on here, and I, I, I talked about it. And if anybody wants a picture, kind of sheepishly, I didn't know if anybody would, but, you know, we, I must have gotten rid of 50 or 60 by now. So thanks to all those people. Um, I really appreciate it. If you're going to be in St. John's anytime soon, Come on down and visit us at TJ's uh, and or Greensleeves, especially now, folks, even if you're, if you're local and, you know, I, I guess what's the, the focus of, of the, the focal point so far of turkeys this summer and or TJ's uh, has been the deck. The patio is awesome and everything else. But we do have 10 new TVs downstairs, big screens. We got a pool table and, you know, the MLB started. That's probably. Yeah, it's probably not going to continue, but but the NHL starts. It starts August 1st, uh, not tomorrow, but the next day. And uh, yeah, we're going to have we're going to show all the games at the bar. So pop down. And I'm also we're uh, we're close to green sleeves. We're under the same umbrella. So we're going to serve finger foods out of turkeys. And I think that'll go over well for the NHL games. Cheap beers and everything else changes day to day. Just check us at patio underscore SZM patio season. Uh, on Instagram and check me out at Terry Ryan 2020 on Instagram, Terry Ryan 20 on Twitter. Thanks to Maggie Connors, of course, for coming on and uh, giving us 45 minutes or so. Um, it was a great chat. Thank you to uh, the good people at the, the hockey podcast network for helping me and producing this every year. This is what I do folks. I just record it on zoom, put it in a package send it away and the good people at the hockey podcast network uh being isha jerome and dylan kaiser they edited it for me and they've been great so thank you to you guys 
I'll be back in a week from now with um, who knows what guests. Uh, I have a few possibilities, uh, but I don't want to open my mouth early again because shit changes. Uh, hang in there, everybody. If you're in Newfoundland, check out the Pedestrian Mall. It's awesome. It's, uh, and we're right there at the end. A little bar called TJ's on George. Drop in, check us out, have a beer. Good luck to everybody. And uh, yeah, hang in there. We're all in the same boat. It's uh, not ideal, but we're human and we're getting through it. Love you guys. See you next week. <laughs>